Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. Uh, thanks if you've been listening along. Again, we've been doing this for five years, uh, hit 200 episodes. So I feel like I'm starting to feel like I'm knowing what to do with these things, but it's been a lot of fun. And the guests I love talking to are entrepreneurs and founders. And this next guest and their their company is interesting because like a lot of you, my family during the pandemic has just been hitting Facebook marketplace hard, selling everything we can, buying tons of stuff. And I think this next company has an interesting uh, platform and solution. So I'm going to Welcome, Byron Binkley, who's a founder of Sella. Hey, Byron. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So let's get into it. Tell us what Sella is. Sure. Yeah, Sella is a service to sell your stuff for you. That's the whole story, honestly. Like the value propositions is one of those funny things, right? Because it is an easy thing to communicate to like friends and family and stuff like that. People are like, what do you working in tech? Must be some sort of crazy thing I don't understand. You're like, no, it's actually really easy. We're going to sell the stuff that you don't want to deal with selling on eBay and Craigslist and everywhere else. That's kind of it. The like rest of the story is this fun parts of like why now and how how it works and how we do it and the sort of, you know, all, all of that. But yeah. in a nutshell, that's what we're doing is is trying to unlock and catalyze the resale market uh, by addressing the pain point that, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has stuff in their home that they, you know, can and should sell that's that's valuable. And by and large, they just don't get around to it. Um, and there's a, there's a misperception that people are lazy. That's really not what it is at all, right? It's like saying someone's lazy for not changing their car tire on the freeway, right? There's like, <laughs> you, you, anyone can learn how to do it. And as long as you're like comfortable yeah. standing out there on the freeway, you can do it, right? You don't have to be that strong, yeah. but maybe you just don't want to, right? Or you're, or you're afraid or it's not something you want to do. So. Well, thanks for that. And I, I mean, I, I want to dig into the whole, the business and how it works and all that. But I mean, backing up about the value proposition just resonates for everybody because it seems like even though, it might be easier than ever to resell stuff. At the same time, you have this other set of, you know, friction that it, it just anecdotally, like people just don't want to deal with that's communicating with other people. Yes. Yeah. Answering all those things, coordinating all that, like it is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. you know, I have, and I have a lot of, and I, uh, friends who just, they don't want to deal with it. Right. And it, it, it's getting to the point with even selling like bigger items like cars now where they're 
and I am a good example of this, our family, we're leaving money on the table because we don't want to try to sell it ourselves. It's just take a lot, you know, less taking a dealer. So, I mean, this yeah. is an interesting phenomenon. So I'm wondering like, if you have any insight about that as far as, uh, you know, your, your platform and just helping people. Things have come a long ways, right? Like, uh, I mean, I was the early, you know, I was using eBay in 1998, 1999. Um, so different, different sort of time then. And, and that's a different experience, of course, than, than Craigslist, right? Where you have, you see a lot more of the sort of like, you know, hesitations and friction points and, and platforms like, you know, Craigslist, I don't want to you know, name names, right? But what, anytime there's a local meetup, you have this possibility of, and this has happened to me, where I'm like, I'm in the parking lot, you know, and like you wait 10 more minutes and then the person's like, sorry, sold it. And you're like, no punctuation. You're like, <laughs> you're like really? Right. What the hell? Right. You know? Yeah. And, and like, yeah. everyone wants to negotiate about like, well, where are we going to meet? Right. And it's like, oh, like, they're just, you know, or you like have them come to your home and like, you know, I'm pretty trusting. I'm cool with that. But there's a good segment of people who we um, serve who just specifically don't want someone coming to their home. Someone from, you know, from the internet coming to their home, you know, un- unvetted right. person showing up. Right. So anyway, it's come a long, long, long ways, right? And, and this is a space that I've been interested in, literally all dating back to, you know, 1999, 2000. I, when I was mm. in college, I tried to start uh, a service that would make it easier to sell uh, a marketplace for, for selling stuff. So, mm. um, but it's come a long, long ways. Um, and some of the mobile first platforms like OfferUp have like really done a whole lot to, to progress that. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Facebook Marketplace, of course, is, you know, doing the same thing. So it's, it's come a long ways. Mm. But as you point out, it's still it's still a hassle, mm-hmm. and you have to. So this is like our, you know our slide deck, right? It's like it's not just that it's a hassle. It's not just that it's a safety concern, right? There's all these factors that sort of hit different people, and the collection of which drive people to kind of go, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but it's like, like oh, shit, yeah. I don't know if I want to deal with this, right? Yeah. But by and large, yeah. those are like starting with know how, right? Like my father, he could certainly learn how to do this. He's a smart guy. He just has no interest in learning how to do it, right? He doesn't have an eBay account or Facebook account, or whatever. Like he's he's just not going to learn how to how to do it. So there's some threshold, you know. And I think that sort of the you know maybe younger folks are kind of like, well, there's nothing to learn because learning a new app or platform, like logging into something they've never seen before and figuring out how to do it is like second nature, right? But there's a lot of people who are like, that's not true, right? So they don't want to learn how to do it. Okay, if you do know how to do it. You're going to spend, if you tally up all the minutes and the message and the this thing and the photo and the that, and then like, well, I paid 300 bucks for it, but like, I don't know, what is it actually worth now? Let me go like type into eBay and see what it's worth, right? Like tally all those up, like the person who's like, is it available? And you have to pull your phone out and you're like, yeah, it's available. That's why it's still listed, right? So, like, so they're, right. add up all those minutes and you're looking at like 30 to 45 minutes per item end to end to sell yeah. it. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Right. More yeah. if you're going to have to go to a UPS store to, to pack and ship it because you don't have the right box line around a home. Right. Yeah. And, and so you add all that stuff up and you go, okay, oh, 45 minutes, you know, potentially even more depending on if you have like a no show in a parking lot. Right. But, and, and you start to look at that and you go, like for me, right, I've got kids. Do I want to hire a babysitter so that I can spend my time selling stuff? on right. you know Mercari, eBay, whatever. There's so many choices now too, right? Yeah. Um, like literally it used to just be eBay or Craigslist. That was it. Right. Now there's mm-hmm. now there's literally, you know, eight real content. There's lots, lots of marketplaces, right? It was like, so do I want to hire a babysitter so I can spend my time selling stuff? Or imagine if it was possible to have someone else professionally sell your stuff. Um, and the cost was, for lack of a better description, equitable and sensible, right? 
Like mm-hmm. it's not flat fee, but imagine if you could pay someone like 20 bucks an hour to sell your stuff, right? You'd be like all day long, right? If, yeah. you, if it was going to be, you know, high quality, good results. Um, and so anyway, now I'm, now I'm just rambling, but like that's, that's the pain point is, you know, everyone identifies with one part of it. But when you look at the spectrum yeah. of, of sort of pain points that, that hit all these different people that motivate them to why they sort of hesitate, there's just like too much like, you know, uh, friction to for most people to sell stuff. Hundred percent. Every I'm sure everybody listening to this is it, it resonates. We've we've all sold stuff on those platforms. Um, let's 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 get into uh, the product. How does it work? Sure. So our uh, I mean it's really pretty straightforward. You you go and you know create an account. We have both a local uh, like you know serving local areas as well as a mail in program. But you go you create an account and you then say here's what I want to here's Let's start listing the things that you want to sell. Right? So I got like a, an iPhone or a you know, headset or a pair of designer shoes or whatever it is, right? Um, so you list them out. You don't have to tell us a lot about them, but you have to tell us a little bit because we want to make sure that they're worth selling. And then you schedule either a drop-off uh, or a pickup if you're local. I'll speak more to that in just a second. Um, or if you're uh, you know, out of town, uh, you, can, you can use our mail-in service. Um, just keeping in mind that the cost of shipping is, is what it is. And so sure. um, you know, it tends to be smaller uh, smaller items or high value density items, um, and our and our local services. This is like one of these, you know, kind of like why now again, like you know, half like you know podcast audience and half investor audience, right? But it's like why why yeah. is this like you know this has been around, this, this problem's been going on for twenty years. Like what what's going to happen? Why is this changing now? And what you know what's out there that's made this possible for us? We believe to like really blow open the doors on resale and like get all of the items that should be sold sold right. Um, and fundamentally, the thing that's changed is the the uh, you know gig economy and people's willingness, both and and like this means both on the on the consumer side as well as on the labor side, right? Like if you look at all the ways that people have you know um, not just you know Lyft and driving car, you know rideshare and stuff like that, but like Airbnb or like Swimply. I don't know if you've seen this, right? If you got kids, you should check it out, right? It's like people renting yeah, out their pools, cool. right? Okay, yes. neighbor where people are renting out you know a garage for storage space, so. Any place where there is latent, you know, labor and, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of physical asset that people, you know, whatever, it could be storage space or pool or whatever, right? There's some opportunity to, you know, like you know, utilize that, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, mm-hmm. back to how our, how our service works and why the, the, um, what we have done is, um, is, you know, partnered with local uh, people, we call them Sella Hubs. Um, but these are people who are willing okay. to have you drop off your stuff at their home. And they, here's the thing. They don't have to be resale experts. We have like a whole platform and remote experts and things like that. But they, they basically like, they, you know, you can drop stuff off at their home. Then they use our software to, that guides them through like, take this photo, take this photo, flip it over, take this photo, do this. Oh, it's shoes. Well, then open up the tongue and take another photo. Oh, it's electronics. Try to power it on, right? So we guide them through this like process to basically do everything that's necessary with hands on the item to figure out what is this, what's it worth, like get all the photos, all the things we need to create a listing and then sell it, right? And then they walk like 10 steps and put it in a closet, right? And then they get paid for it mm-hmm. per cubic foot while it's stored in their home, right? Um, mm. Just like a warehouse. So, so we call these, you know, we say, they're, we call them sell hubs. But like when we're speaking with investors and stuff like that, this is like, you know, micro warehouses in communities yeah. instead of yeah. like million square foot warehouses like 20 miles outside of communities, right? Um, right. And the cool thing is, like, 
because these people don't have to be resale experts, they really, which by the way, I tried that. We, we can get to that if we want to, but like you, you okay. cannot find enough people who are great at selling stuff who will work for under, you know, 30 bucks an hour. You can't find mm. them, right? You'll run out of supply, mm. but you can find people who want to work at home. You know, it's truly at home work. It's not driving time or something else. Want to work at home, get paid while they sleep for storing some stuff in a closet. They have a little extra space or under the bed, wherever, as long as it's safe and dry, right? No cats and, mm-hmm. and other things that are messing up and, and are, want to make, you know, 18 to 22 bucks an hour, hmm. right? That's it, true at home work. So that's, that's sort of the magic to the, yeah. the experience and like why this works. I love that. I mean, micro warehouses in it. Um, yeah, you can imagine good. like lighting yeah. up a map where it's like, look, anybody, anyone who wants to rent, just like Airbnb in the early days, right? At first, it's kind of like, yeah. who's going to do this, right? And then eventually, yeah. it's like, oh, it turns out everybody, right? And like, we're kind of right. seeing the same thing where it's like, it's like, really? Would someone do that? And like, what we're finding is like, if, if you got a phone and you have a little bit of extra space, you can raise your hand and be like, I want to work. I want to work at home and they can do it. Well, I mean, I, I, I think there's, t- there's two kind of... Um, as far as the business opportunity seems like you're you're tapping into obviously this quote unquote gig work um right it's it's hard to kind of define that at this point because it just seems like a lot of labor's moving more towards that anyways even for for bigger companies like on-demand work so i guess what what's your vision for how that might evolve for your business right now you're it's mainly reselling things but i I assume once you build out that network, you could take advantage of it for advantage of it for other potential things. I don't know what you can share as far as kind of the uh, evolution of of the business. Yeah, that's a that, that that's a fun question. Um, and and sort of like have kudos for like immediately hitting on like advanced investor question. <laughs> like most people never get quite there. It's like okay, cool. So you you built the network. Now what else could it be? Um, yeah. And it could be pretty damn big just doing powering resale. So this is sort of basically powering reverse logistics. Okay. So like in the world of like the e-commerce, you know, like or, or all commerce for that matter, right? You've got these incredible channels to get new packaged goods into the market, right? They got shipping containers and million square foot warehouses and they're delivered to your door and all the rest of it. Right. Once they've been distributed homogeneously throughout communities and people take them out and use them a little bit and all the rest of it, right? Maybe they want to return it right away. Or maybe they use it for two years and then they want to sell it, right? But basically, this problem of how do you then like get those things back to where they're able to be sold is reverse logistics, right? Or like you know reverse resale logistics, mm-hmm. right? And so that's if you think about our platform, that's kind of the problem that we're solving, right? You need to have these components of like you know uh, storage and transportation and all this other stuff, as well as then like you know fig- you know is the item damaged? Who's going to sell it? Where's going to be sold? And stuff like that. Uh, but when we look at the at the at the platform we're building. You know, these micro warehouses in, embedded in communities and stuff like that. The most obvious next sort of, you know, utilization of that network is other places where you have, you know, rever- a need for low cost reverse logistics, right? Um, for mm-hmm. for to, to power commerce. Um, so you could think of like returns management. Um, you could think of like a cable box mm-hmm. that you're returning, et cetera, right? An item mm-hmm. that you might send back to Amazon that doesn't need to travel 50 miles, then get processed in a warehouse, then go a point to point to somebody else. It could potentially be dropped right. off at your neighbor's house, like you know, some someone literally like half a mile from you, sit there until it's yeah. sold again, and then immediately be shipped to someone else, right? So yeah. anyway, there, there, there's a lot of interesting sort of opportunities there, um, I, I think. But this is this is way down way down the road. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I know. I mean, this is naturally where my mind goes. So it's interesting for the business folks who are listening to to get into that. Of course, the the product right now, and I think there's a huge opportunity and just solves this 
this this pain for a lot of uh, folks, including my family. But uh, <laughs> it's I I love as it as you look down the road. I mean, you just I read all about this. You know the rise of e-commerce, uh, but the returns is just yeah. a huge headache. I think I read uh, maybe one of Nike's uh, <laughs> quarterly updates, just like it, the massive uh, challenge that can be for even a company like Nike. So it's super interesting, Byron. Yeah, down the road that could help that. So yeah, it it, it, it really is interesting. And you, you know, we're, like return returns is hard. You know, you have like value added returns, yeah. or maybe like it comes back, but you need to also check that like the twist ties are put on and stuff like that. So there's all these kind of like you can imagine little like return recipes that need to be run depending on the on the the product to get it ready to go into the hands of someone who expects it to be, you know, either used but in good condition or certified pre-owned or whatever. So all of this right. kind of returns management stuff if you think of, you know, could head in the direction of like certified pre-owned, right? These are the types of like little recipes mm. that we can develop and send to the phones of the people that we have in our mm. network who take the photos and do stuff, but instead of like, oh, it's shoes, flip it over and take, you know, do this, take this thing. It's like, you know, oh, it's a return for whatever. Does it include the AC adapter, this thing, manual, whatever? Okay. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and that all makes sense too. So really, really interesting sort of potential. Yeah. Down the road. But I'm yeah. looking forward Wait. to following along as so, that gets built out. And, um, so far down so, the road, yes. <laughs> so right now, I know you're, what markets are you operating in? Obviously, you're here in Portland. So I assume, you know, our metro area is one of your markets. Or yep. what about some other ones? Yeah, we're in Portland. We're in Dallas. And uh, and then we have our mail-in program. And um, okay. Yeah, that's where that's where we have that's where we have local, you know, the cell hubs today. Yeah. Okay. And what what's kind of can you share what's maybe in the next as we look into twenty twenty three some of the what's things. on what's on the roadmap? Um, yeah, I better not make any any commitments. Um, but no, we okay. we are <laughs> yeah. no, we won't hold you to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here here's what I'll say: we launched in Dallas, uh, kind of to see if we could, and okay. we did it in under four weeks with five hubs who were recruited wow. from like Indeed and, and Craigslist, no boots on the ground. Mm. And, mm. you know, had them go through our sort of like, you know, like certification process, make sure that they can do the work. And then we launched in Dallas. We had, you know, customers within two days. We had a repeat customer within five days. Someone dropped off a Vitamix blender on a Friday. It sold over the weekend. And then they did another drop off early the next week, right? Mm. And they're cashing out like 200 bucks for that, right? I mean, this is, wow. it's back to the, like, you know, the value problem. I mean, I've worked on a lot of startups and it's like, you're trying to get someone to like use this group messaging thing to do this thing with a friend to make plans. And it's like hard to get anyone to try it. And like, I'd yeah. love to say that our software is like amazing and our user experience is like perfect. But like, yeah, you know, we just raised a seed round. It's still kind of rough. But people will like break through walls because they're like, I don't want this stuff and I do want the money, <laughs> right? So it's yeah. nice to yeah. see. It's nice to see like going into a new market, we have no nothing. And then just immediately, you're kind of like, you know, like, hey, we can sell your mm-hmm. stuff for you. And people are like, oh, good, because I have stuff and I want you to sell it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what we learned from that was uh, a couple like pretty important things, particularly if you think in like the gig space, right? Is like you're used to thinking of like gig economy, and this is true. Some of the like you know the the problematic aspects as well, but most people think of gig in, coupled with on demand, right? Like you want to you want your groceries delivered like now, not next Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. taxi like from your home now, right? If it's a taxi, like, but it starts two miles away and in 15 minutes and doesn't quite go to where you want, that's called a bus. It's a totally different thing, right? And so right. it's not like people sort of make that association. And that's just not what our service is. It's more like maybe an Airbnb or like a Swimply, right? Where you're kind of like, yeah. you know, our hubs say, this is when I'm available for drop-offs, you know, Thursday between two and four, okay. Saturday between okay. 12 and, and two, right? 
because they need to be home, right? And, and that's when they want to work. And so then customers look at like, okay, well, where can I like, oh, good, there's an appointment that's four miles away, you know, on Thursday at 4 p.m. And that works for me, right? Anyway, not to go down the rabbit hole there, but what this means is that we don't need a fleet yeah. uh, to launch a territory, right? Mm-hmm. We just need a couple hubs mm-hmm. with some availability. And then we're able to then show that appointment inventory on a first-come, 1st serve basis to people and kind of make sure that we keep our finger on the dial of like demand gen to not, you know, overwhelm mm-hmm. it. But um Sure. It, that that's a pretty easy lift, right? And so yeah, we're not yet yeah. at the point where we've like fully like made it so that we can just like open the doors to you know hubs anywhere where someone okay. wants to like do it. But we're close, you know. So um wow. our hope for 2023 is that we can we can we can see the same kind of like, you know, again, think about that moment where Airbnb kind of like you know got it and then they go, okay, so how many like we can be in any city, right? As long as someone, mm-hmm. as long as we can vet, vet people, mm. and they take the photos, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like great. Then you're you're ready to be an AC. So that wouldn't look like uh, you know us mattering across the country. It's still we'd still do an, an, you know target city by city. But I do think in 2023, um, I'm not quite sure when we'll start, but our our plan would be to, to really pick up the pace and and start launching in in those in those areas. Um, and we have mail and customers like from all over the country, right? And so. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, a couple of th- things I wanted to just ask about is, you know, we kind of um, come to our close of our conversation is just the, the payment kind of mechanism and how that works as far as for both sides, the mm. quote unquote gig worker and the person handling you, handing you the items to sell. Like how, how do these, how do the, that payment kind of pricing and fees up? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And well, as far as like when they get paid and, and how that all works. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so so we we talk about Cello being a service that's you know gig powered, but we we talk about it as being like a gig 2.0 service. And I don't may mm. take issue with that term, but what that means is that what that means when we say it is that unlike sort of a gig 1.0 service, where you're really it's a marketplace a labor marketplace platform where you're connecting someone who's going to do all of the work end to end, right, with someone who wants the work done. And then you're taking maybe a 30% cut or whatever, like, you know, Thumbtack mm-hmm. or like Lyft to a certain extent, mm-hmm. these kinds of companies. What we do is orchestrate lots of different labor pieces because the person who has your items and stores them, you know, might not be the person who does the price research, might not be the person who's qualified to write listings, particularly listings for collectibles, right? So right. What, we're, what our platform is, it's a little bit closer to like an Instacart where they're saying like, look, mm. you pay Instacart and then Instacart says, we're going to figure out how to mix together you know, part-time labor, full-time labor, gig labor, uh, dedicated shoppers, dedicated produce shopper, you know, let us figure mm-hmm. out how to get the thing done for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to pay us a fee that makes sense. And then we're going we're gonna to deliver the service by, by stitching together the constituent pieces of that labor from different people. So that, that's, how, mm-hmm. that's how ours works as well. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, that that does. And I think that's a good analogy because as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, this I'm not saying your specific model has been tried before, but there's been attempts at similar kind of maybe oh, so many. services. So many. Yeah. So if you um, if you if you, you know, it's important to look at the like, you know, the field is littered with people who've tried to do this and and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. The case. I mean, from large companies, eBay tried it with eBay stores in the 2000s. They tried mm-hmm. it with eBay Ballet in the early teens. Um, lots mm-hmm. of startups have tried and failed. So, um, and fundamentally, I mean, I don't know, we're, we're running shy on time. I don't know if it's 
the right rabbit hole to go down. But like, yeah, fundamentally, the reason the, the things that's changed is one, this ability to use, um, you know, gig, the gig ecosystem to right. erase probably on the order of 20 to 25 dollars of reverse logistics cost per item at the beginning mm. of the of, of, of the funnel right and this mm. is before you even know if the items worth selling right because people right. like with ebay valet people were shipping them boxes and ebay's like yeah well it, you know it, like you know the all of these models before were all at consignment based so they're just like send us your stuff you don't pay anything unless it yeah. sells and then you pay like and then you had these like kind of like like wild commission schedules. You pay eighty percent of the first thirty dollars, and seventy percent of the yeah. first fifty, and then down sixty percent of the first two fifty. <laughs> and you have this like kind of wacky thing that's going on, which is something that we've changed, right? Which was like, yeah. you know, what does it what does it cost to sell an item, right? Um, it doesn't cost. It doesn't take more time really to sell a five hundred dollar yeah. camera than it does to sell a fifty dollar camera. But the idea that you would pay a commission of $250 or $300 to sell a $500 camera is like, it doesn't make sense, right? Like most people would look at that and go, that's not a yeah. fair, that's not an equitable model. Um, and then it becomes self-defeating yeah. in the consignment space where you, you go, okay, well, I'm going to send you a box of stuff, but I'm going to take the $500 camera out and I'm going to put in a deflated basketball and one left shoe, you know, because right. what do I care? If you're going to try to sell it for free, go go for it. And so, yeah, our model, our model, I mean, there's two, so back to what's changed and, and, and people have tried this before. There's two fundamental things that have really changed. One is the gig space. And the other is I think that we have a, an equitable pricing model that leads to great outcomes for people who are conscientious and have items worth selling. It is not a good service for people who have a box of stuff they should take to Goodwill, right? <laughs> when we, right, we right. work to try to get yeah. those people out, like gently educate those people to help them elect to leave our funnel. Um, but the only customers we have who are like, oh my God, this doesn't make any sense are the ones who are like, well, don't hire someone for $20 to sell a $10 item, right? <laughs> that doesn't, I don't know, right? It's like, it's not their fault. It's yeah. our fault for losing something in the education process. But like at the end of the day, yeah. you can't hire someone for $20 to sell you know, a $10 item. And if your item is, if you're going to get $22 for it, you also can't go like, I can't believe you took a 95% per, like commission. And you're like, that's right. not really the same thing, right? Like you, <laughs> right? So anyway, I think we've come at this from an approach where we say like, look, the selling costs are what they are. We're going to have okay. this, like, we're going to, and we're completely transparent about that. If you go to our pricing page, it's like, let's say your item sells for 250. Here's everything that's going to come out, right? The eBay fee is, 10, is $25, 10%, right? The payment processing fee mm -hmm. is 2.9 plus 30 cents. Mm -hmm. That's what that is, right? Our seller network fees are this. If it was shipped, it's going to be $10 and more if they have to take it to a UPS store. So we just say, look, selling is what it is. It costs money, right? right? Once yeah. all those costs are paid, this is kind of like, this is your net profit, right? Like this, is what, this is how much you made after the sale and like the inherent costs of, of selling it. And then, you know, then we have a, we don't charge a set, it'll be starting in the new year, but we'll have a 10% profit share on, on the actual profit from selling your item, right? Okay, um, great. But we've, yeah. but we, you know, we use our network to drive down the cost of, uh, or I shouldn't say drive down costs, erase the inefficiencies, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and to use, you know, scale and, and automation to a certain extent, AI, to be able to say like, look, give us your stuff and you can see, like, I'm going to charge you $5.99 for like everything to get it ready to then post it on five marketplaces. Then we're going to manage the listings on five marketplaces. We're going to talk to all those buyers. Like, is it available? Yes, yes, it is, right? 
Uh, we're going to pack it up, ship it off. We're going to get the money from them. Then we're going to deposit the money in your account. Then you can see how much we're going to charge you to do that, right? And yeah. if that sounds like a good deal to you, great, back up the truck. We'll do it all day long, right? But if you're looking at a box of stuff and going, I wish someone could just sell, you know. <laughs> Whisk like, it away. Use like old, yeah. old books, like sell these one by one. You're like, you can't hire someone to sell old books one by one. That doesn't make sense, right? Well, thanks for being on the show, Byron. Where can people find more, you know, more about Sella? Um, yeah, you can, they can search Sella, S-E-L-L-A on Google and you'll find your way to us that way. Or if you remember uh, Hello Sella, then you can type in hellosella.com and you'll find a Sella. I, I love the product. Uh, I'm going to convince my family to start using it. And I'm super excited to see, you, you know, as you grow and maybe potentially the other things you use the, the platform for. So very exciting. And, you know, congrats on the launch of the company and uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We really appreciate it. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 